1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Rangers continue their pursuit of Antonio Collac. Christopher Julian's closing in on a move to Schalke and Scotland's women reach the World Cup playoffs. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Roger Hanna. Yeah, through these summer weeks, Andrew, we sort of tick things off as we go into they're always landmarks towards the, the, the proper stuff starting. And I think when you get the teams back, you see Celtic and Rangers back into pre-season training at the start of the week. The few of the teams already overseas at a training camp Celtic Rangers go overseas next week and then next week we'll take off the first of the pre-season friendlies and with every day that goes by every landmark that goes by the fans are wanting to see signings that's what it's all about yeah of course it is and every club wants to make signings I think someone was telling me the other day 41 of the 42 teams with the exception of poor old Hamilton Ackies haven't made an incoming signing yet they're the only one so supporters like that that keeps them going through the summer months uh, a few decent deals have been done some clubs have done quite a bit in fact but the real big ones will come between now and probably about midnight in August the 31st yeah well ha- at least Hamilton have a new manager now so yeah. maybe the business will get sorted yeah. now but anyway we want to hear from you at home 01419511025 whatever is on your mind whether it's transfers whether it's pre-season whatever's going on at your club we want to hear from you 01419511025 or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB there's been a lot of transfer speculation going about in the last few weeks Roger it, it ramps up with every day that goes by as I said earlier on one of the stories that We've heard a lot of in the past week or so is Antonio Kolak potentially going to Rangers. That deal, there's been a few stories flying about today that I've seen. Certainly uh, a couple of outlets today reporting that a fee had been agreed with Palk for £1.8 million. I've seen reports in Greece saying that that's not the case and that Palk are holding out for around €3 million. That's about £2.6 million. So there's certainly a, a bit of disparity there between the two. We know that the interest is there. The interest is solid. It's just whether Rangers can get that fee agreed and over the line and all sorted. Yeah, listen, you know yourself... Everyone has a starting point and they tend to meet in the middle. Um, someone was saying they were looking for 2.5 million euros because that was what they paid for Antonio Kolak. And Rangers will start below that. Pauk will start above that. And they will probably meet somewhere in the middle. I would expect the player will become a Rangers player at some stage. There's, there's going to be other interest in him. And that's always the case. You know, when you get to this stage, you're only, you're only at the end of June. We've still got two months of this transfer window to go, Andrew. So there's no rush from Pauk to sell there's no rush for Rangers to get him in now I think they probably would like to get him over to Portugal next week when they go there for pre-season training uh, the majority of Rangers business has been re-signing players Connor Goldson been the big one apart from John Souter no real big incoming players a lot of youth players were signed yesterday I noticed Cole McKinnon's got a new deal today You know they're, they're doing a lot of business like that but the fans want to see the big names coming in and Antonio Kolak may well be the next one coming in in the next few days As soon as supporters hear a name linked I think the first thing they want is the, the player through the door as soon as yeah. possible but we know it's not as easy as that especially if, if two clubs are standing firm and what they feel their valuation of the player is then sometimes it, it can drag on a bit but as you say it's the 29th of June at the moment Rangers don't have a competitive game until what's that just under a month now yeah. until the qualifiers Champions League qualifiers kick off so I'm not sure it'll be one that Rangers will be panicking too and much about No they won't, they won't be because you would expect 
Alfredo Morelos and Kemar Roof both to be fit for that game. Um, it's not as if either of those players have been sold and, and they're expecting Kolak to come in and lead the line for the Champions League qualifiers. I don't think that'll be the case at all. He's a guy who's coming in to add a little bit more depth to that striking department. Cedric Eaton headed back to Switzerland after the cup final. Um, he's one the one to get in, but I don't think there's any huge rush in him. Yeah, Rangers fans, let us know what you think. 01419511025 or fans of any other club, if you want to let us know what you think of your transfer business so far, what would you like to see your club do? Give us a call, 01419511025. You bring up Cedric Hitton there, Roger, who's gone back to Switzerland. His move at Rangers didn't quite work out, ended up out on loan in Germany last season. And in the second half of the season, it was quite clear that Giovanni van Bronckhorst wasn't really going to use him much at all. He only made, was it one or two appearances towards the end of the season? But that's really what Rangers are looking for here in Antonio Kolak is an upgrade in the option they had in Cedric Hitton because he didn't make the required impact. But we saw towards the end of the season that Rangers were having to play Joe Aribo up front when Morelos and Roof weren't available. And Giovanni Van Bronckhorst won't want that to happen again going forward. And if he can get this option in, and Antonio Kolak, he'll hope that that's a player that he can rely on. Whether he has an option that can go in and, and challenge for a starting spot or can challenge for Kamar Roof for potentially coming in as a, a replacement for Morelos when he's not available. Yeah, without a doubt. I think every, every club in the land looks to upgrade, to use your word, the squad with, with the summer. Rangers will look at John Suter probably as an upgrade on Leon Balligan who's left the club in the summer. Um, there are a lot of re-signings. You know, Alan McGregor has re-signed, so there's not that necessity that some suspected there would be to get a goalie in. Scott Arnfield and Stephen Davis have got another year each, so that probably takes away the necessity to bring in another midfielder. What interests me, the lone players have gone, Aaron Ramsey, Ahmed Diallo. Does that mean Rangers will look for a right winger or you know an advanced midfielder once they get the Colang deal over the line? We saw Antonio Kolak in action for Malmo at Ibrox last season, scored a couple of goals in Champions League qualifying. It's a route Rangers have gone down before, signing players that have played against them in Europe, in the early stages of Europe. It's had mixed success. They did it with Borna Barisic, and that's worked out. They did it with Eros Gresda. That's not quite worked out. There's no recipe to say whether it's definitely going to work out or not but I think Rangers fans will have been impressed by his performance at well, Ibrox Yeah they would be I don't think Rangers fans were particularly impressed by the conduct of Eros Gresda and judging by some videos I've seen on social media today <laughs> Antonio Kolak certainly mm-hmm. hasn't been impressed by some of the conduct of Eros Gresda over the years but um, it, it, he's a good player he can score goals you know I, I think he's a Croatian international so you don't get caps for Croatia if you're, if you're not a decent player um, it does have a sort of strange backstory. He was German born, played his youth football in Germany, started his pro career in Germany, then moved back into Croatia. He then moved to, to Greece. He was loaned out to Sweden. He's come back to Greece. So um, he's put in a lot of yards. He's had a lot of clubs. He's scored a lot of goals as well. And Rangers certainly like him. 01419511025. Let's hear from you. William is a Rangers fan up first in North Ayrshire. William, what are you thinking tonight? Yeah, hello, Andrew. Hello, Roger. Hey, well, yeah, I, I tried to get on last night, but uh, obviously the show wasn't long enough. Uh, I think the biggest priority for Rangers is uh, is the three boys. It's not been it's not been uh, tied in yet, right? What I think they should do is right to protect the club is to sign for a couple of years on the contract. Obviously, up their wages, right? But but we've been loyal to them. If somebody comes in for a bid next year then they can get sold. Obviously, if they don't want to do that, they have to be sold this summer. But the biggest priority is day three. The quality in the Rangers squad, in my opinion, 
player-wise, is the best in Scotland. Celtic, last year, were the best team. They played better as a team. That's how they won the league, right? But quality, you, you know, you're not a bad side to get to the European final. I just think we maybe need to get a right-sided player, but if we can tie these three down, obviously they don't, we'll have to get rid that's my point. Well, you may say Rangers have the better players, but Celtic were the better <laughs> team. What do Rangers need to do this season then to become a better team? Um, obviously, obviously, don't draw as many games, you know. But uh, I think, I think, see, the last three months, I thought Rangers were, were fantastic. They're into the, the, the high level of European football. Was, you get a European final, you're a very, very good side, you know. The last three games against Celtic, I think we, we muscled them, we played them. I thought Celtic were very fortunate to get away with a victory at Ibex, even though they won, because we absolutely battered them. We should have beat them at Parkhead. We beat them comfortably, in my opinion, in the Scottish Cup semi-final. So we just need to... I think Van Blonker's been there a year, the whole year, get his pre-season. I think it'll be a lot better. If he, if he can get one or two additions, the boy Korak... I'm not really too sure, but he scored two goals against us last year, so if Van Broncos thinks he's quite good, just get him in. William's saying the priority there is the contract situations of Alfredo Morelos, Ryan Kent and Joe Aribo. I think a lot of Rangers fans would think the same. William was saying, you know, just sign them on two-year deals and then can deal with it next summer. I'm sure Rangers would, would love if it was that easy, that the three players would just agree to new two-year deals and that was them sorted for the season but there's clearly a lot that Rangers have to juggle this summer when it comes to these three players because we don't know whether the players want to stay we don't know whether the players want to go Rangers probably don't really have too much of a say in who stays and who goes because it's up to the players and it's up to other clubs and what interest they have in those players as well Roger Yeah and I don't think Rangers would countenance getting to the situation that they did with Connor Goldson in the summer where you know the contract went to the last few days before he signed a four year extension um, it's going to be fascinating to see, I'm quite sure the Rangers recruitment department headed by Ross Wilson have a list of replacements for Morelos lined up a list of replacements for Kent lined up a list of replacements for Aribo lined up in case, when we're sitting here you said Andrew, June 29. In case we're sitting here on August the 29th still having these debates and there's every possibility that is going to be the case. You know, you see the movement right at the end of the transfer windows. Will Rangers be in the Champions League groups by then? Will they be back in the Europa League by then? Um, I, I can see this situation going on right until the end of the window. Um, will any of them stay? We just don't know. There hasn't been... Huge, huge interest. I think Leeds were interested in Kent a couple of seasons ago and Marcelo Bielsa was still there. There have been a couple of tentative offers. Nothing that tempted Rangers on Morelos. And I'm not even sure there's been an offer for Joe Aribo in all the time he's been there, albeit there's interest now from Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace and Fulham, but that hasn't materialised any bids yet. So it's going to be, as William says, an awkward time for Rangers. And I don't think clubs like it when they don't have full control of the situation. And at the minute, Rangers don't have full control of the situation regarding those three players. William, where are your confidence levels when it comes to trying to keep a hold of those three players this summer? Well, well, the European run, right? We made, Roger maybe quoting this, between 40 to 50 million quid on our run. So we can offer them, we can offer them wages, you know what I mean? They should be, as I've stated, they should be loyal to the club. We were loyal to them. We brought them to this great club. You know what I mean? They're playing brilliant football. Their profiles are up. Uh, uh, I think Aribo and your Bassies and your Morelos are all internationalists now. 
So they sh- just sign on. If they don't want, if they want to leave, right, we'll go to sell them. There's, there's another bit. We'll go to sell them. But if they, if they want to stay, we'll just stay for another two years. Then if the big bids come in, then we'll sell them. William's talking about loyalty there, but it it works both ways, Roger. In football, sometimes players will feel that they maybe have a loyalty to clubs. Sometimes players will feel they have a loyalty to players, but we see it sometimes that players want to force a move out of a club. We see it sometimes that clubs want a player out of the club. So it's tough to say generally about loyalty in football, but it will just come down to the individual situations of of each of these players, which could all be very different come the end of summer. Listen, there is no loyalty in football. Let's not anybody be kidded about this. Um, you can ask this when he starts back at the start of next season. Ask Fraser Wisher about loyalty in football and whether players should be loyal to the clubs because he will give you plenty of examples that clubs haven't been loyal to players and have pushed players out the door or have freed players and left them with uncertain futures. So Fraser's take on it would be Alfredo Morelos, Ryan Kent and Joe Aribo have short careers. They need to do what they deem best for themselves and their families. Conor Goldson has decided that best for him and his, his family is to sign a four-year deal and to stay at Rangers, and that will take him till he's 33 years of age. He's devoting the best years of his career to Rangers. Maybe Morelos and Kent and Arebo will do the same. They might decide that there's an offer on the table, there's a pay rise there for them, they like it here, they can fulfil all their dreams here. But it'll be fascinating to see how it all shakes down. William, Rangers are looking for another striker. If they can get that over the line, where are the other areas in the team that you think are a priority? As I spoke to you, producer, I think the right, Roger will probably agree with him, the right-hand side, but you look at you look at your man right at the end of the season, starting the European final, played quite well, brilliant in the Scottish Cup final when he came on, he might solve that problem, Hadji's coming back, but if they can find a, a winger in a Kent's calibre on the right-hand side, it'd be very good for Rangers. Rangers did spend £7 million on Ryan Kent, so it was big money to get a player of his calibre on the left side, but that right side seems to be a problem that Rangers have had for quite a while because they've not had a player like Ryan Kent that is a stalwart in that position they've chopped and changed between Gerrard and Giovanni Van Bronckhorst they've both done it as well they've played different types of player in that position and it really has been a bit of a problem area that's never really been solved over the, the years the, the last orthodox right winger probably Daniel Kandias back in the day um, when he moved to Turkey he was never replaced like for like you know Yanis Hadji did a good job out there, but you wouldn't really see Yanis Hadji's a, a right winger. It's more of a sort of number 10 who sort of played in off the side. When Joe Adebo's been up there, he's done the same. Aaron Ramsey was tried there. Um, Ahmed Diallo was brought in as a right winger, but after that great start at Ross County, he just didn't really kick on, Andrew, did he? So be interesting to see what Rangers do, because I tend to agree, you know, Kent, for £7 million, I think Kent's done a good job for Rangers. Um, could they get someone of that quality on the other side? William's saying Scott Wright, is he potentially the answer? He obviously put in some good performances towards the end of the season, but Rangers haven't seen that consistently over his time at the club. There was a spell, actually, after Giovanni Van Bronckhorst took charge, where he sort of disappeared from the squad altogether. And fair play to Scott Wright. You know, he obviously got his head down, worked hard, caught the manager's eye, got his chance, and, you know, he took his chance. He played semi-final against uh, Leipzig. He played the final against... Frankfurt, he played the Scottish Cup final, scored the goal in the Scottish Cup final against Hearts, and he was beginning to show real promise. So it'll be interesting to see if he's got another level that he can go to, because if he does, listen, you know, there's a lot there for Scott Wright, not only from a Rangers perspective, 
possibly from a Scotland perspective as well. Well, thank you to William. After the break, we'll be taking a look at Christopher Julian's situation at Celtic. It looks as if he may well be out the door in the coming days. Give us a call 01419511025. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call 01419511025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard Roger Hanna here with me Andrew McLean in the second part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard 01419511025 if you want to get in touch or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB I was just looking at Twitter there and what's popped up in my feed is the Park starting lineup for their friendly against Go Ahead Eagles and there's no sign of uh, Colac anywhere in the team although they don't have the substitutes listed on there so it could be one of these where they end up making 11 changes at half time and he, he shows up but that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on Roger. Yeah, listen he's a guy in the centre of transfer negotiations it doesn't surprise me at all he's not in the start lineup. as you say we haven't seen the subs I would be surprised if he was on the bench because I would think a move for Antonio Colac presumably to Rangers is imminent something else that Amused me on Twitter earlier on. I know fans always like to see leaked football kits and what the what the kit for the new season is going to look like for their team. There's a couple of pictures doing the rounds of what could potentially be Partick Thistle's kit for the new season. I think you've seen it as well, Roger. Yes. We all know Kingsley, the Partick Thistle mascot, who is uh, I was going to say famous or infamous in his own way. That uh, he appears to be, if this is legitimate. Just his face, uh, his face, huge on the front of the Partick Thistle kit for this season. Well, I said to you before the show, I cannot believe this to be the case. However, if it is, there's only one thing we can do. You know, if Celtic had a kit like this, producer Callum would send Celtic's Mark Wilson to model it. If it was a Motherwell or St Mirren kit, we'd send former Motherwell and St Mirren man Fraser Wishart to model it. If it's a hard kit, we'd send Andy Halliday. A Livy kit, we'd send Marvin Bartley. As far as I know, producer Callum, we only have one former Partick Thistle man on the premises. If Kingsley's in the front of the shirt, we need Gordon Dale to model it. Absolutely, that needs to happen. That needs to happen. And I think, you know what? I think they're revealing it at 10 a.m. on Friday, this new kit. That's what they've tweeted out, so I'm sure we can pull a few strings and get that sorted. Callum, I'll check Daz's availability for Friday morning. Well, if you've got anything else on your mind, 01419511025. Celtic fans, maybe you've got an opinion on this because it looks as if Christopher Julian has taken a big step towards his Celtic exit. The defender's flown to Germany, so he's closing in. It looks on a move to Bundesliga side Schalke and a season-long loan deal. It looks like Schalke could also have the option to buy Julian next summer as Celtic are likely to trigger an automatic contract extension. So he's current deal at Celtic is set to run out next summer but as part of this deal Celtic may look to extend that deal by another year and that would allow them to sell him next summer instead of him leaving on a free I think it's been evident for quite a while since he came back from injury Roger that he's not been part of Ange Postacoglu's plans um, It's been difficult for him to get into the team you know he was injured a long time um, but the time he came back Cameron Carter-Vickers and Carl Starfield had cemented a central defensive partnership there. You know, it wasn't just Christopher Julian it was missing out. Stephen Welsh didn't get a sniff. Liam Scales didn't get a sniff there either. And when Celtic have gone on to win the league and gone on to win the League Cup, it's very difficult to mount an argument that Christopher Julian should have been in the team. So Even on the bench, though, there was quite a, a big chunk of the end of the season where Julian was struggling to listen. even make it on the bench as a £7 million signing. Well, That's maybe and not something you see every day in Scotland. Yeah, but uh, listen, if you're Ange Postacoglu, your argument would be, listen, I didn't pay £7 million for him. Um, he hasn't played in any of my teams because he's been injured. Uh, 
Carter Vickers and Starfield have never let me down. Stephen Welsh hasn't let me down. So they're the guys in possession. And they saw the season out. I can understand Christopher Julian being frustrated. He's a guy who throughout his career had been a first choice centre half. He was a first choice alongside you know Christopher Ayer for a long time in a successful Celtic team. And there would probably be a belief on his behalf that he would come straight back into the team. So when he doesn't come into the team, there's going to be frustration. Uh, I know there was interest in him from France to go back to the French League where he made such a big impact with Toulouse and other teams. But Schalke are a good name. They're trying to restore their reputation in German football after a bar in two or three years. Um, You could see why it would be an exciting move for him. The way this deal looks like it's going to be structured could be seen as a bit of a risk from Celtic because, yes, they're loaning him out for this season and that would mean that he will be off the wage bill to some extent. We don't know how much of his wage Schalke will be paying, but if Celtic are unable to recoup what they want for him in terms of a transfer fee this summer, it looks as if what they're doing is essentially loaning him out in the hope that he has a good season and they can recoup more money next summer than they would be able to yeah, this summer. I, well, listen, it's a difficult one. I can understand the thought process. Um, in current market terms, what would Christopher Julien be worth? You know, he hasn't really played first-team football for 18 months. So you can imagine if you're Schalke and you're looking at that fact, you're thinking, well, I think we'll take him on loan first, see how well he does. Uh, if he has another season beset with fitness or form issues, he can go back to Celtic. If he does really well for us and we want to keep him, we will pay you money. Look at Celtic and Carter Vickers last season. You know, that loan turned into a terrific deal for everybody. Celtic got a very good player. Vlad himself got a really good move and Spurs got an awful lot of money. So maybe Julian and Schalke and Celtic in 12 months' time will be looking at a permanent deal that suits all of them. It also leaves a gap in the Celtic squad as well. He wasn't available for a long time for Celtic, but they did have Nier Beaton, who could go back yeah. there and fill in at centre-back. But with him gone and Liam Scales yeah. as well on loan to Aberdeen, you've got Cameron Carter-Vickers, you've got Carl Starfelt, you've got Stephen Welsh. And beyond that, there's not really many options. I know Celtic rate Dane Murray very highly and he got some game time at the start of last season, but you'd think there may need to be another senior option that would come in there. Yeah, without doubt. There will be, you know, if Julian goes on top of Beaton and Scales going, there will be another centre-half sign, there's no doubt about that. Um, even just in terms of numbers, even if it's not someone who's immediately going to oust either Starfield or Carter Vickers. Um, you saw Starfield getting injured for Sweden at the tail end of the season in the Nations League game. That's all it takes. You know, an injury, centre-half sometimes gets sent off. So, with a season, the way Celtic's season is going to be, Champions League group games, the defence of the title, the defence of the League Cup, they will want strength and depth in every department. And I don't think they'll go into the season with three centre-halves. Well, let's hear from you. 01419511025. John is a Celtic fan up next. John, what are you making of this Julian situation? Hi, even Roger Andrew. Thanks for having me on. As you know, Roger, obviously, I'm on quite a bit, and I'm not a fan of Julian. And as I, I was trying to get on last night, and it was my point was, and that's why I'm asking you, obviously, if you know anything about it. I've heard, I've heard a good source that Liverpool are willing to let this Ben Davis come and loan for a year. They look the same situation with Carter Vickers, with option to buying him. And uh, so I think he'd be a good addition to the squad. Obviously, he chose Liverpool the last time. You couldn't actually bang with the guy for doing that. But I hope, I hope for Julian's sake, it does well for the guy. You know what I mean? But and it'll be good for Celtic. But I just want to know if you've heard anything about the Ben Davis one. 
They'll certainly let him go. Um, I think they would let him go either on loan. I think Liverpool's preference would probably be to let him go on a permanent basis. He was out on loan there at Sheffield United for a spell of last season. Did fine. Um, and I think clubs like Sheffield United and Championship clubs in England would be interested in Ben Davis. He was terrific at Preston. As you say, John, it looked as if he was coming to Celtic. And then Celtic's misfortune was Liverpool had a horrendous run of injuries, if you remember, to centre-halves. I think they had about five or six centre-halves out at the time. They were playing, I think there were games like Fabinho and Jordan Henderson were playing together at the back at that stage. And they just took Ben Davis cause, basically because they could. Um, and then as soon as he came to the club, just his luck would be the centre-half started getting fit again and people like Nathaniel Phillips came in and, you know, Reese Williams came in and, and Ben Davis just didn't get a look in. And maybe, you know, he'll say, as you said, he couldn't knock back Liverpool. You wonder in quieter moments if he wishes he had knocked back Liverpool and had come to Celtic at the time. Uh, as I said, I, I think it'd be if, if this is yeah, I heard for a good quite a good show this Liverpool was going to let him come and loan with option of buying him. I don't I don't know what a, what a fee, fee was agreed, but I think he'd be a good signing. I say hopefully Big Julian does well and obviously that'll be good for Celtic if he does well as you said there you a minute ago. But as I said, I just hope Julian goes. I, I, I don't like the guy, I don't think he's physical enough for the, the league and uh, as like as Ben Davis to come in alone, I think he's got a good or, or even to sign him would be better. I, I, I bet you liked him after that League Cup final, John. Ah, that's a long time ago, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> John's saying that that he wouldn't mind Ben Davis coming in on loan. We've seen that Ange Postacoglu's had success in bringing in players on loan. It happened with Cameron Carter-Vickers. Yeah. It happened with Jota. These loan-to-buy deals that essentially trying before you buy, set a fee before it, and then you can kind of delay the spend until the next summer I, I know what you mean it, it, it's interesting and you listen to, I've listened to a couple of Hans Postacoglu's interviews pre-season and I think what he's trying to say is last season we needed desperately needed to get players in you know he was saying we needed to get just numbers in we knew that players were leaving and I think by that you know the likes of Brown had already left Celtic and I think he, the manager knew that Edward was going, Christie was going, Ayer was going and he, he could see down the road that even just numbers to, to bolster the squad in terms of numbers, he needed to get players in and he was getting them in by hook or by crook, whether that was loans, whether it was permanent signings, he just wanted players in the door, Andrew. Come January, it was noticeable that he was a little bit more picky in who he brought in and you could, you could argue Maida was alone, but it was one that was always going to be turned into a, a permanent deal, there was no option with that there. But, you know, O'Reilly came in Atati came in and he was more definite in who he took and, and what he wanted and there were permanent signings all on long-term contracts. I would think the majority of players who come into Celtic between now and the end of August will be permanent signings on long-term contracts that Ange Postecoglou thinks can bolster their squad. There might well be a loan signing, you know, there might just be one loan signing, maybe it will be Ben Davis. I wouldn't rule out Celtic going for Ben Davis on a permanent deal. And we saw in January as well that Ange Postacoglu got his business done very early. He had three yeah. players in the door, I think before the transfer window yeah. had even opened. They were announced, Hitati, Maida and Idaguchi. And the evidence of this transfer window so far is that Ange Postacoglu is wanting to get his business done early once again. Cameron Carter-Vickers is through the door. Ben Segrist is through the door. Bernabe and Jota look as if they could be through the door any minute now. And after that, Celtic will still have some business to do, but they'll feel as if the bulk of their business is done. Well, listen, Rangers fans will tell you that Celtic managed to get their January business done early because they had the 
winter break brought forward to give them the time to do that, you know. Um, but they, no, joking aside, they, they did get the business done early. And I think Ange Postecoglou strikes me as a guy who knows what he wants to do. I don't think he's the type who will necessarily be rushed into doing deals. Um, he did an awful lot of business last year because he had to do an awful lot of business last year. He built the squad well, and he's built it so well, in fact, that not only you know uh, the Celtic not need huge amounts of players, um, he's built it that he can just drop one in here or there. He chose to get a backup goalie. That actually surprised me. I thought he was quite content with Scott Bain. He chose to get a backup goalie. I think Alejandro Bernabe will be in in days to come to challenge Greg Taylor at left-back. Uh, what else? A couple of callers last week continued to talk about holding player in midfield. Mm-hmm. You can maybe see that happening. And if Julian goes out, another centre-half, and then I think the rest of the business would be like for like, you know, if a player went out in a certain position, then he would go and replace him. But I think the squad's in a decent place just now. John, are you quite content with the business that has been done so far and the business that looks as if it's going to happen, that Celtic are building a squad that's ready for the Champions League group stages? I am I'm quite happy, but as I was going to ask Roger, actually, the, the, the boy's name escapes me, but I think I was on last week, I asked one of the guys, uh, it's one of the young boys, uh, Roger, for Bayern Munich, I think he's a Canadian, or Ghanaian, Celtic was supposed to be interested, oh, he's a little holding midfielder, aye, I was aye. just wondering if you'd heard anything about that, because I've seen a couple of bits of him, he looks, he looks a player, you know what I mean, and I think, he's, I think he made his Bayern de- Munich debut when he was 17 or something like that, but he's obviously not. Bro, it's a hard, a hard place to break into the team, but it looks a good. It would be a good addition as a, a holding midfielder be, be along with Cal McGregor. Well, that, that was the thing. That was a point I made last week, John, on the show. Actually, um, it's all very well us talking about this holding midfielder or that holding midfielder. Celtic actually have still, even with Beaton gone, a lot of players who could f- fulfil that role on the premises. You know, you think of McCarthy, you think of Edigucci, you think of Soro. The point I made last week was it's going to take a very good player to fill that role better than Callum McGregor fills it. And that's maybe why Celtic haven't gone so far to get anyone. Is it maybe a case that with Tom Rogic leaving and if there is a defensive midfielder brought in that it allows Celtic a bit more freedom in where they play Callum McGregor in specific games that they can bring in a a holding midfielder for certain games and Callum McGregor can push forward into that role? Somebody made that point last week, Andrew. But if you push Callum McGregor forward and he does that role very well... I'm not denying that, but if you push him forward, that only leaves you one other position, and you've got O'Reilly, and you've got Hatati, and you've got Turnbull, so you know there's a lot of players jousting for positions in there, and I tend to think Celtic will start the season with McGregor in that pivot role, and two of those three in front of him. Well, thank you to John, 01419511025, if you've got anything on your mind. Of course, a deal that we keep hearing about, Roger, is... The Jota deal seems to be getting closer every day, although we hear that all the time. I think there was a a report today in Abola, the Portuguese sports newspaper, saying that they think that the deal is going to get uh, be concluded tomorrow. Although we have heard uh, similar noises over the last few weeks about the deal, you know, getting done by the end of each yeah. certain week. But all the signs do seem to be pointing towards that this will be a done deal at some point. I'm glad you could tell me that because by the time I got to Aris McCall this morning, they were out of Abolas. <laughs> um, Jota will be done. Jota's, Jota will be a Celtic player. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think for whatever reason Celtic have, a, a, they're delaying the announcement. Jota will be a Celtic player. Um, Alejandro Bernabe will be a Celtic player. And after that, I think Celtic go out next Monday to Austria. They've got games in Austria. They've got Czech Republic, Poland. It'll be fascinating to see what else they do. But 
even just with those two and Carter Vickers and Seagrest, that's still an outlay in excess of sixteen million pounds for Celtic. And the guys who have gone out the door, I don't think any of them really get out for any huge sums of money. So it's still a decent outlay for Celtic at this time of the season. And at a time when we still probably think they're going to get a centre-half and maybe a holding midfield player to come. I suppose that's the beauty of having guaranteed Champions League football is that you know the money's coming in the door, you know exactly what competitions you're planning for as well. Yeah, but in so many summers in the past, including last summer, when Edward and Ayer and Christie all went, you know, quite often Celtic make a sale and that bankrolls all the incoming players. You can think back to... Moussa Dembele and Kieran Tierney and all the ones before them as well and that gave them a base and they built from there this season other than the Champions League money you know they don't really have any incoming transfer revenue this summer well let's hear from you 01419511025 whatever's on your mind you could be up next 01419511025 this is Scottish football's league leader Clyde One Super Scoreboard Roger Hanna here with me Andrew McLean in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard let's hear from you if you've got any thoughts on what we've talked about so far maybe there's something you think we've missed out we want to hear from you 01419511025 or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB and it's incredible how football works sometimes Roger because scrolling through Twitter innocently today and I'm seeing Umar Sadiq being linked with a £22 million move to Sevilla What, what is happening? Well, listen, there's, there's hope for us all If something like that can happen I, I genuinely thought he was a really poor player When he was at Rangers I saw him a couple of pre-season games Everyone remembers that The League Cup semi-final against Aberdeen That he started And he looked a little boy lost But he's gone over to the continent He has rediscovered his mojo I think he's done well at Almeria mm-hmm. In yep. Spain and He was Darwin Nunez's replacement yeah, there as well and, So, and, I mean, there, there does seem to be genuine interest And I'm not just from Sevilla, but I think you mentioned him with Benfica. Ajax was was spoken about him as they're looking for a, a replacement for Sebastian Haller, who's gone to Dortmund. So there's no accounting for taste. I might start doing my own pre-season somewhere, see if I can get myself a deal. Well, well I, I might not go that far. Well, one four one nine five one one zero two five. Let's hear from you on any of these topics tonight. Uh, something I wanted to take a look at uh, happened last night. Scotland's women have secured a spot yeah. in the World Cup playoffs. So they weren't playing last night, but it was Ukraine's 2-0 victory over Hungary that guarantees a second place finish in the group. They'll now head into what looks like genuinely the most complicated <laughs> playoff system I have ever seen in my life. There's about three rounds to the European section where out of nine teams, I think two teams go through. Then the third placed team then end up going into an intercontinental playoff where one team gets through I could not explain it to you in detail at all but it's certainly a, a good opportunity to get where they want to be back on yeah, the main stage and, and listen uh, without the detail Pedro Martinez Lozana manager I saw coach from the Sutherland basically saying he doesn't fear anyone in the draw score at the last World Cup if you remember that thrilling game against Argentina and you know all the other matches and when there's a women's Euros this summer it's actually disappointing that they're not there. You know, you see the England squad getting named. You see Kenny Shields, an old friend of the show, naming the Northern Ireland women's squad that's going to the Euros. And you suddenly think, you know, it would have been great had we been there. So good luck to them. They deserve to get into the playoffs. It was a difficult group. Um, and I hope Pedro's right. They don't fear anyone and they can get through. Yeah, we had Rachel Corsi in the studio yeah. last week and she was saying that 
having to sit at home and watch the Euros is the ultimate motivation I think every player would attest to that if you don't make it to a major tournament and you're missing out on these huge games against the best teams that's going to hurt and you're going to want to make amends for that and, uh, Listen, it always hurts when you don't get to a major finals I think it will probably hurt more because they know the majority of the squad still are the team that was at the last World Cup they know what it's like the excitement of getting to a major finalist it's a bit like Steve Clark's squad I think part of the disappointment of losing at home to Ukraine last month and not getting to the World Cup finals in Qatar was they'd been at the last Euros and they know what it's like to get to a major finals and they want to taste that again so I think missing out in the Euros will be a real driving force for this team as they go into the playoffs Well let's hear a bit from manager Pedro Martinez Losa yeah, obviously there is one of part of the of the jobs that we we started for, and and it's good obviously to to qualify the, for the playoffs already in advance, so we can plan. And I think I'm very pleased for for the players and for the staff because I know the, the amount of work that they have been putting on. Yeah, this team will be will be prepared to play the World Cup 100, percent and because they are already they already are in terms of the mentality and the work. And I hope you you could see the the energy of the team. The, the way they apply into the piece and and we want to improve also in all little details but I think we are we are developing something that it can be special for the future so I have a four years old daughter she's very excited also to come to a game and for her daddy to to play the World Cup with with the team with, with Scotland so right now for me it will mean my whole life because I, I put my 24 hours per day to to Scotland with the players and with the staff and I think that's as a as a leader of the group this is my obligation yeah, good luck to the women's team. Those playoffs coming around in October. So a good bit of time for preparation for them. There's just a bit of breaking news that's popped up there that is of interest to some extent because we'd seen that Josip Juranovic had been linked with a move to Atletico Madrid over the past <coughs> few weeks, Roger. They've just signed a right back of their own, Emerson oh, yeah. Royal. No, they've made it, I think it's, Oh, they've made an bit, offer, have they? Yeah, but, but surprising. Brazilian international. But he's Tottenham's first choice mm-hmm. right wing back in that system that Antonio Conte plays. You'd be surprised if Tottenham were willing to let a first choice player go away on a loan deal. I wonder if it's a similarly stage loan deal. You know, spoke about Christopher Julian and Schalke earlier on. I'm not so sure there would be too much, um, unless it's an enormous loan fee and there's an agreed. You know, fee to be paid at the end of it or something. Not too sure where the attraction would be then for Tottenham. Yeah, well, Atletico Madrid, I mean, it certainly shows that they are in the market for a right back. Josip Juranovic, we saw, was linked with a move, but I think Celtic would be asking for a lot of money just based on the fact that he is a Croatian international. He is under contract for is another four years he's yeah. still got left on his deal. Yeah, and listen, Celtic hold all the cards on this deal. We said so at the weekend. Um, he's only 11 months into a five year contract. The Atletico do need a right back. They've lost a couple. Kieran Trippier headed out, if you remember, to Newcastle in January. And then Varshalko, who's Juranovic's Croatian international teammate. I think he's gone to Olympiacos on a mm-hmm. free at the end of his contract. So they are in the market for one. If not two right backs, I think the only right back they've got left is a 34 year old, the guy who's coming 34, Daniel Vass, the Sweden international. So they're definitely in the market for someone to fill that role. Yeah, another club that I was looking at their uh, transfer business today was Ross County because they've made another signing. They've made quite a few signings so far this season. Today they signed left back Ben Purrington, which is a very good name. A two year deal. He was most recently at Charlton. But when I was looking through the replies to him signing from Charlton where he'd left at the end of his contract. There's a lot of Charlton fans saying, you know, sad to see him go. He's been a great player for us. Interesting that Ross County are, are in the market now where 
They're essentially signing what was Charlton's first choice left back. Yeah, it's a market Malky Mackay knows well. Um, the majority, vast majority of the signings Malky's made since he's been at Ross County have been from the English market. It was a lot of loan signings last season. You think of Joseph Hungbo from Watford. I think there was a couple of lads up from Southampton. Goalkeeper Ashley Maynard Brewer came up from Charlton, so he, he knows that sort of market. And I've been quite impressed. You know, he has lost Charles Cook and he's lost Hungbo, and other loan players have gone back. And Blair Spittle has gone to Motherwell, so there's been a big turnover of players there. But the standard and quality of player that he's bringing in, there was a lad, Jordy Hewola, um striker that he signed yesterday, who has got a good pedigree down there. And you can see the attraction. They get to play. Premiership top flight football in Scotland Ross County were 6th last season They were very close to qualifying for Europe So there's that carrot as well Lovely part of the world to stay in And you get to meet Dave Galloway What more could you ask? Exactly, that is the main attraction up there And another signing they made as well was Jan Danda Who is a young player that was at Swansea I think he's made over 50 appearances for Swansea Was, I think a couple of years ago Considered one of their top prospects Has maybe lost his way a wee bit But They'll feel that's another coup that they've got there. Yeah, an, an exciting talent, a winger. So maybe he's the guy who they're looking to to provide the chances for Hewola and whoever else plays up front. Jordan White's still there, of course, from, from last season. So it's going to be an interesting league. You know, you look at the players Aberdeen have brought in in the last few days. Spent some good money as well. Yeah, they, they have. Hibernian have brought in, what, seven or eight, including David Marshall and Aidan McGeady. Um, Hearts again have brought in some. George Grant, the latest one from Peterborough. St Mirren have brought in about half a dozen as well You know, you look at that spine that they've brought in Trevor Carson, Declan Gallagher, Marco Hara You know, they're, they're, every, they've got good players right the way through that team It's going to be a fascinating league St Johnson as well, bringing in more players So be, everybody's beginning to tool up for what will be a very interesting season Because so many of the teams in that sort of middle section of the league Will either be desperate to hold on to the top six place that they earned last season Or they'll have that disappointment last season Whether it's Aberdeen, whether yeah. it's Hibs Other teams as well, St Mirren will have feel like they could have done better yeah. Because every season we hear they're targeting top six and So every club really looks like they're going all out this summer To yeah. make sure that they can do that Especially when there's European places up for grabs And I always say... Uh, I never think there's much between sixth, place, sorry, third place and twelfth place. I know that sounds a bit ridiculous, but look at St. Johnson to have gone from double cup winners to needing a playoff final win against Inverness to stay up. The other way around, Hearts, who came up from the Championship and finished third by the length of Godgay Road, um, Dundee United fourth last season into Europe for the first time in nine years. But you have Jack Ross coming in saying. We've got a little bit of work to do j- just to stay you know, where we are. Um, Malky turning players over at Ross County in a side that finished top six. So the predictions, we always have a laugh at I'm already not looking forward to these. It was an absolute disaster from all of us across the board last season. T- t- tougher than ever. Yes, well, we'll see how those go. And uh, maybe if it gets halfway through the season and they're not bad again, we'll try and just destroy any of the evidence. We can remind Hugh Keevans, though, there are still 12 teams in the Premiership, not Uh, 10. Absolutely. We'll make sure he gets that right this time round. But that's all we've got time for tonight. Thank you to Roger Hanna in the studio. Thank you for all your calls and tweets. So thank you for just listening in at home. I'll be back tomorrow night and I'll be in the studio with Mark Wilson. But stick around tonight because it's Callum Gallagher that's up next.